I'm Hillary. And I'm Clinton. <laughs> and welcome to Black Atlantic. We are a podcast, website, and media channel with the goal of bringing Black Canadian East Coast East Coast voices to the world. You can expect to hear from us every week with guests or open discussion, exploring topics and perspectives from all over. And be sure to visit our website, blacklantic.ca. <laughs> and search for Black Atlantic on all socials. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Even that take wasn't great. Um, that's because I was giggly and then I want to say coast and voices. <laughs> We're going to start pre-recording our intros, everyone. But no one will know. It will just sound good every time. And when you hear yeah. that, please know it wasn't live. They'll be like, they nailed it. They nailed it. Yeah, no good. Um, so if everyone, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe and all that. Yeah. Um, and if you're watching, you see I've changed my hair again because that's what I do. This time I did Fulani and my thoughts are just inked out of the top of my head. Yeah, your hair looks fire. Thanks. And, you know, if you you, you miss the Afro, go find Clinton Davis on TikTok or Instagram. I brought back the funk last week. Afro was, it was, so my hairstylist Amanda, she put some products in it that actually, because my sides are shaved. Yeah, I was super confused. Yeah, it's really confusing. So we were able to shape it and form it because my hair is down to here, form it around. So it was an Afro. Oh yeah, my hair is like down to here form it so it was an afro around my hair and it just stayed with the products we used it was all like tucked around you could have like based on the the coloring of it all you you could have convinced me that it was like a perfect fro filter but i know that ai would never be that kind to black people so i was like how do you do that i Some, knew i knew it was an ai someone in the comments asked if it was a filter yeah but yeah our hair is magical like we keep saying and it can do all yes. kinds of things yep yep um, other than our hair, you're good. I'm good. That's good. I'm good. I've been busy, you? as you know. Um, thanks to everyone again who watched last week and saw me just outside. <laughs> outside. Um, still a ton of events this week, a couple more fashion ones, and now two back to back that are um for the sick kids hospital. So now I've got my donation cap on and I'm just trying to be a good person. Amazing. That's what's up. Um as always, I keep saying I'm enjoying all the extra sunshine that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've got some new team members coming on board for the salon spa, which is really great because we've been short staffed. Um, been meeting with some friends, getting back into music. My friend's having an event on Friday where he's performing. Um, he asked me to perform, but I'm not going to do that. But I've been talking about trying to set up summer venues in the city. Finally, we think maybe this could be a city where a mature crowd can have a place to um, hang out because that's been tried a lot of times in the past. But with all the new people that came to the province, you have an older crowd with more disposable income that maybe doesn't have young kids. And yeah, so we're trying to figure out the future of Moncton, me and a group of guys. So. That's exciting. That's very Call exciting. Call ourselves the Mandem, the Mandem group. I saw the, I saw the Mandem get the burgers today. <laughs> it's like, nice. Okay, no accent, no accent. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, speaking of exciting things, you, do we yeah. want to tell people now about the next topic episode that we have together and how we should be orchestrating it? Yes. Because it should be live from... Greek town, Toronto, because you're finally coming back. Yep, yep, yep. Um, we're going to be in Toronto uh, in the middle of June. Someone's going to be staying here at my house. I'm, I'm going to be staying in Toronto. And yeah, we'll be recording live again. So for people who listen to or watch the live videos, we got a lot of feedback on that. We're only a couple months old still, but we're growing. And uh, yeah, live videos are always better. And we're going to be in person and, and pump some out. 
Yeah, we'll have a couple in person ones, and then yes, I will be I will be house swapping with you and f- trying to live live that uh, brown brown farm boy life. Um, <laughs> I was sure, yeah, so country crop berry going alliteration, but good luck. It's going to be wild. Not only are we going to have a, a live content video soon, you may actually see a, a, a role reversal here. Um, yeah. One of our episodes, you might see me sitting in that chair over there, and Hillary sitting over in this chair. You, you living in the country shaker. life, and I'm I'm back in my hometown for a week in Toronto. Yeah. Um, celebrating my daughter's university graduation, taking my younger kids to see an actual city, see what life is like. And we're looking forward to it. Yes. Um, You want to get into the thing that we do called the podcast and talk about the topics that we're going to talk about this week? I'm all ready. Okay. So um, things we will be talking about this week include um, new, well, not new thing going on, but monkey pox. It's a hot buzzword on everyone's mind. Um, and we have a few things to say about it. Um, Justin Burke, a name that I'm sure no one from back home really wants to be thinking about or hearing about, um, which we will get more into, but he is going to be potentially eligible for parole now. And so we'll get into that topic. And actress Moses Ingram has been uh, upfront and honest about some racism that she's been hearing about um, because of the new role that she has. And so we will be discussing that. And of course, and I think we should start with this topic. Um, It has been... This week marked two years since the murder of George Floyd. Um, And I guess I sort of wanted to talk about it because I feel like two years have gone by. We continue lately to talk about um, statistics involving hate crime. There was the Buffalo mass shooting. We've talked about, you know, racism in in the woods of Dartmouth and in various places across our country. Um, and I just sort of wanted to have like an, an open form discussion about like, are we at a better place two years later, the same place, a worse place? Um, especially considering, you know, so many people think of Canada as not the place where things like that happen. And we keep trying to encourage people not to think that way, although it happens so much more in the higher numbers statistically there, it does happen here. Um, and so I guess, yeah. What are your reflections two years since the murder of George Floyd? First of all, um, wow. I I think back to the day that it happened. Um, And to think that that was two years ago is such a wild, wild thought because so much has happened since then. A lot of good has happened. A lot of bad has happened. And a lot of things that we thought were going to happen didn't happen. (laughs) But... um, that night, I mean, if you're old enough and you were around during 9-11, September 11, when the World Trade Center towers got smashed, like you always remember exactly where you were and what you were doing, what you were smelling, like the lighting in the room, like everything. And yeah, I remember sitting down and seeing it on like a Facebook post, a video, and it was like a clip. It was like a one minute clip, maybe a three minute clip of the video. And I just sat there and... I know that we had just opened up our business again. It had been a really stressful week. Uh, Opened after two months of being closed for the first time for COVID. And I sat there and I saw parts of the video and, you know, I got, I got emotional. Like, I, I think I cried, um, but I was like upset. And I was just like, why does this keep happening? Because we've been seeing it for years and it was just like a too bad breaking point. And yeah, like I didn't even, I had no way to know at the time the impact that was going to have 
on the whole world but i just remember feeling it it was it was it was wild um so much has happened since then and it's it's weird i i do think that things you asked if things have changed i don't know that things have changed in the minds of people i guess these bless me bless you i mean you muted yourself so no one would have known you sneeze and you might just take all of us out but may the good lord bless you in your time of need clinton davis <laughs> thank you um have things happened there was a whole lot of social consciousness about it um and i think maybe some people learned uh, some things and changed i think a percentage of people did i think some people were shocked and then actually maybe ended up more racist than before um so some racism was deleted some wasn't i think if change took place i think where it's been taking place is behind the scenes uh really it's not like on social it's not in the forefront of everything it's it's programs that are being established organizations that are being built um businesses that are are getting attention that they deserve or are banding together less prejudice maybe around businesses um but i don't know like we i think society has moved on in a lot of ways as we knew they would but i to be honest i never i've never even seen the whole video i saw those clips and i could never i never could go back to watch it i didn't i didn't want to i didn't see a point but uh, all I've ever seen is clips from it. And that, that was enough. It was just, it was wild. Like, he looked like people I know, right? So at the time, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. That's it. I, I don't think I've seen it in, in full at all either. Um, on Facebook this time, two years ago, I wrote this post about the fact that like for the first time in my life, I was living with someone who looked like him and like rekindling my connection with my dad and how it felt more real and scarier understanding like the implications of what it means to be black in this world, living with the black people of my family and, and finally feeling black. And at that point we would have had started working together on another podcast before this one. And I would have been much more, um, curious about my blackness and trying to find my identity. And so I think for me, it came at a time where it felt more jarring than just watching the news and seeing statistics because I didn't feel as black then as I do now. Um, and I, I, I remember being like very sad and all again, feeling like, despite what I just said, definitely feeling that sense of this continues to happen to, to us, to black people. When will this change? Why isn't this changing? I think my big reflection overall is that un unfortunately and fortunately it happened at a time where there was this perfect, like pot of soup simmering on the stove of life. There wasn't a pandemic and people who didn't have the time to sit and reflect and we weren't all home. I don't think people would have marched in the same way because it would have been an inconvenience to leave your job to demonstrate, to show that you cared. Um, had he not been murdered in the exact same time and in the exact same way that he was, I don't know that it would have had, gotten as much media coverage if people would have marched, if, you know, and if it wouldn't have been that big, would um, Derek Chauvin had even been found guilty? Who's to say? Um, I really think that the pandemic had a great hand in making sure that everyone was able to sit down and like look uh, introspectively at themselves and figure out like what, 
what does it mean to you to be anti-racist and whether it was everyone being performative with the black squares or people actually turning up, showing out, shelling out money, et cetera. Um, it manifested in different ways, but I, I do think that that did have a very big helping hand. Um, and the thing that I've said, <clears throat> excuse me, recently, and I feel, feel more now is that I think it's allowed for black people to be more unabashedly open about what we go through. I do think though, that has then caused white people to be more actively hateful towards us in retaliation. I feel like the statistics of hate crimes go up maybe because we are being more honest, but it also just feel like white people are sort of tired of hearing of us finally complain and be vulnerable and open about what we're going through. And it feels like it's sort of like, we're going to stick it to them by doubling down on our racism, on trolling harder on social media, or, you know, this mass shooting in Buffalo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because it feels to me like the black community is finally done with people's bullshit and done with like letting microaggressions slide, which as we've discussed, are just aggressions. Um, and instead of being placated or being vocal, and now it feels like sometimes tensions might be a bit higher in certain situations. At the same time, it feels like allyship has gone up. Like I, don't know with the George Floyd thing, if we would have been asked to help the New Brunswick school district with a black histories continuum or, you know, black lives matter, New Brunswick getting the funding that they've been getting, um, even space for, for our podcast on, on CBC and the organ, like the work that we do and the a- small amounts of activism we participate in. Unfortunately, so much of that has been steamrolled by the murder of this man. Um, I think there's a whole generation of black people that probably have his whole, like this very unfortunate legacy to thank because without him paving this way for so, for so many people have been trying so hard to do it. Um, I don't know if we would all be where, where we're at having these very open and honest conversations and just hoping to educate people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, thank thank you think- for sharing. We do this thing called a podcast where we share our thoughts. I know. I'm sorry. The way you said that just made me laugh, but yeah. These are deep reflections, though. And I I really think this is the kind of era that we're living in that can only properly be viewed from the distance of history to be able to finally analyze everything that's happened in the past two years, because a lot of good things have happened and a lot of the scale has been tipped upwards and downwards. And it's like it's it's like a stock, like it's a fight. Just like when we look back, we'll see like did things get worse or better. certainly more opportunity to be heard but uh bad things brewing underneath for sure i mean everything in life is very much a roller coaster um i hope by and large it's more good than bad but we definitely won't know until we're old and gray but still like melanated and looking fly um and able to be like able to be like no there there was some good in there or no it was all shit (laughs) yep that's what it's gonna be yeah speaking of shit well, leave your thoughts. If you're listening, leave your thoughts. Let us know your feedback messages. Post in the comments. Yes. Um. Did I send you the article about monkeypox in case you wanted to screen share it? Or did I not? Um, no, you didn't. But I have I... one. Here, oh, pause it. Oh, oh, wait. Hold on. Here it is. Here it is. Let me just pull it up here. Thank <laughs> no, you. That's not it, is it? No, that's... Are you going back to school? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. My alumni. How come? How come? Monkeypox in Africa. 
Monkeypox in Africa. Um, so a hot button word, I guess, an illness on everybody's mind right now is monkeypox. If it was going to be as serious as the coronavirus, what it is and what is going on. Um, so from my understanding with like not a, t- a ton, a ton of research on like the illness specifically, um, I think that it's like a, a painful hives situation um, that shows up all over the body. Um, there has been an outbreak, however, in Africa for a long time. Um, however, it appears to be traveling now. I believe it was reported today, in fact, that New Brunswick may have had its first case. There's about four in Toronto. Um, And so uh, this article on Global has some very great statistics, although I I will add to like the World Health Organization, the WHO, have said a couple of times that they aren't very concerned. Um, It's supposed to be manageable if you're in very good health um, and no no huge risks. Um, There have been more than 1,400 monkeypox cases and 63 deaths in four countries where the disease is endemic, Cameroon, Central African Republic, Congo, and Nigeria. Um, it's in the same virus family as smallpox and smallpox vaccines are already 85% effective. So if anyone was comparing this to COVID, we're definitely in a much better place. Um, earlier this month, Britain vaccinated more than a thousand people that were at risk of contact contacting it and bought 20,000 more doses. U.S. uh, has released 700 doses of vaccines to some states where cases were reported, Um, so I think the question on a lot of people's minds, or at least the question on my mind, um, is if, if, if the white people are so worried (laughs) about themselves catching it, why did no one care about the like thousands of people that have been reported to contract it in Africa? I think we both know the answer. (laughs) Um, Clinton, what's your take on this before I give my thoughts, feelings, and opinions? What's your thought? Um, well, okay. I'll share my thoughts. (laughs) But so did you say thousands of people in Africa? Yeah. Um, so this, this This this, had been eradicated in the 1980s. Yeah. Well, cause there's, there's been more than 1400 cases and 63 deaths in four countries where it's endemic, but that doesn't account for all the other places. And I believe that there's more, I've read statistics where there's more than that that number over I mean, the years we do know i mean we can easily call out racism and but it, it could go deeper than that it, it's racism it's a lack of care it's the country's having a poor uh gd gdp not having much of a say on the global economic stage not being valuable monetarily to some of these more powerful countries it's it's a lack of care like africa Africa already has lots of other diseases that get ignored. Like that is a prob- uh, a continent that has a lot of diseases and that's hard. But uh, it does always feel ironic when as soon as it steps foot in our first world countries, then we care. The question, the big question is why don't we care about these third world countries like we could? Mm-hmm. We all know that we could help these countries develop a lot faster than they're being developed and help them out with a lot of health issues and help them out with a lot of the problems probably our first world lifestyles have created. Yep. <laughs> Global warming and the environment, um, 
ocean levels rising, washing away some of these like communities in poor countries where they can't do anything about it. I'm going all over the place. Um, and then all of that usually trickles back to a degree of racism. Like these human beings have never been considered as equal or as worthy of help. We even saw that in Ukraine, um, of equality, of being treated like all the other people with lighter skin. Yes. Um, and I, I know we said we wouldn't really do this two weeks ago, but obviously I looked up another article <laughs> just to get some more concrete statistics. So it was first reported in 1970 in the De Democratic Republic of Congo in a nine month old boy um, in a region where it had been eliminated two years prior. Um, since then, it's been reported in 11 countries. Um, there was another outbreak in the years of 1996 and 97 in the Congo. Since 2017, Nigeria has had the largest outbreak with 500 suspected cases and over 200 confirmed cases. Um, and cases continue to be reported up until today. Um, so I guess like, Yes, I agree with everything that you're saying. And we do know, of course, that this is some degree of racism, I would say, um, like a, a systemic type where we, if it's not bothering the white people, if it's not in the Western world, we pretend we don't see it. We don't try to help those people until it directly affects the quote unquote white man or the privileged people or, or the first world people, if you will. But that's such an unfortunate way to act because it also, it, it, we still all live together on the planet. Like if you want to be racist and you want to ignore the problems of black people, I, you forget that people travel and that illnesses spread. And in a world, I won't say we're post COVID, but where we can reflect on two years of COVID and what has gone wrong, you would think that people would be like, Hey, you know about, you know, that illness that we've like seen spreading. Maybe now that we've seen how COVID can spread and how horrible our governments handle that maybe we should look at the other illnesses and prepare yet of course they don't and they never will um but you would you would think that knowing that there is something spreadable that's contracting in africa you would think that there is a potential for it to come here there's potential for anything to come here because of international travel and trade i think there's always been a lot of viruses in africa and we're not going to pause again to look that up but sure it also has to, it's always been like this. Like, this is not new. They've, they've always been neglecting. But it's and, stupid. <laughs> yeah. And now maybe there's, I wonder if we're freaking out more about it because of COVID though, right? Like, this virus is curable. It's eradicatable. Um, they have vaccines that are, what, 85% effective. Mm -hmm. Is this just really media hoopla? Is this just the media trying to scare us? Um, it can be cured. There's already a vaccine. It's been, it's been cured in smaller populations. Um, it's, has it never been in New Brunswick? Has it never been in North America? From my understanding? Yes. It's been in Africa this entire time. This is the first time it crosses into Europe and now the 70 cases in the States and mm, several in know. Canada. I don't think society ever paid attention to like viruses and diseases, diseases and stuff like that. It wasn't like mainstream news. So I think people just care now because of COVID. I think, I, I think it's going to actually all brush under the rug pretty soon. I don't like that you said that only because I feel like so many people said that because of COVID and then we were all like, dun, dun, dun. Three no, I was pretty scared later. of COVID. No, no, no. I, I thought COVID was going to be a menace. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the one person who thought it and was correct. I am the only one, actually. I looked it up. Okay, thank you. I'm glad we're factual on this podcast. <laughs> um, no, I like, 
I agree that it does seem like curable, small enough scale. I don't want to say anything and jinx anything, but that it does beget several questions. Is this, like you said, a, a media hoopla because we suddenly care about illnesses? If it's eradicatable and the states can buy some of the vaccine and Europe can buy the vaccine, it then begets the question. Why aren't what we buying? Why aren't we buying some to <laughs> donate back to these countries to completely eradicate it if we could, instead of running the risk of it coming into other foreign countries and then just eradicating it there? Like stop the spread, eliminate it at the source, instead of just curing Americans, Canadians, Britain, British people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, every time it crosses into their territory. Why aren't we buying some to donate back to Africa to get rid of it entirely? Because no one cared up until now. Yeah. I uh, I haven't played devil's advocate for a long time. Damn but it. I feel like they will do that. I feel like they are going to do that. I feel like it's for smaller. Like We'll see. If, let's see if it gets out of control. Because it was eradicated in the 70s and it was eradicated in the 80s. Um, I, I would prefer to hear that that eradication came from the people of those countries. But if, the, if there was outside help then it looks like there are organizations like Bill Gates, like, is he a super villain or a superhero, right? He's donated hundreds of millions of dollars to Africa over the years to help cure these diseases. Cause there's so many over there at the same time. Is he the cause of COVID? <laughs> like, it's like a lot of conspiracy. I, I don't, I'm not saying that, but there's a lot of conspiracy theories about that. Right. Like yeah. um, the point is if he is out, like there are people docu- trying to help people in Africa. So I feel like this is kind of media hoopla. I feel like it's media hoopla, but the like. If it was like five hundred thousand people in Africa have it, then we have to talk and be like, "Holy shit! Why aren't they doing anything?" Sure, the concern remains that it it did have a resurgence in twenty seventeen, and so we have waited five years and for it to cross into Western world to to care and not try to re eradicate it. And if you look at the I like, don't quote me on this. Obviously I don't have a statistic in front of me, but from what I recall, the hundreds and millions of doses of Pfizer, Moderna, all of those vaccines that were being bought were being bought to then be given to Americans and Canadians. We have yet to really buy any to send to countries that were struggling at vaccinating themselves. From all of my work at community health center stuff and all the statistics I've seen, we have still very much neglected to help other countries get get the medical supplies that they needed to survive the pandemic. We've left a lot of people in the dark. You're correct that it is not, we are not there, but historically we're not going to help if it gets there. That's the concern. That's a very valid concern. Yes. But Hey, maybe nothing will happen. It's also like, I mean, it doesn't seem to be killing people. It's very painful for the people who are suffering through it. And it takes like, I think two to four weeks for it to, to pass. Um, I, my, my concern would be like, it just like, we have no hospital infrastructure. Two more oncologists have quit Moncton hospitals. They recently had a post that said, don't come to the ER for the city of Moncton hospital, like on social media, just like help us mitigate our overflowing and try not to come unless it's a real emergency. So if monkeypox comes, while we're still not through a pandemic, where are you going? Like, are you going to start putting people on the roof? Like, there's no beds. There's no infrastructure. There's no money. We can't yeah. have another thing. <laughs> we can't have two things at once. Two illnesses taking over the country at once. We're doomed. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's always the thoughts of ourselves here and keeping ourselves safe. And, yeah, I, I, 
I wonder if they could have stopped it from leaving Africa, but it's hard to stop things from leaving continents nowadays with the way people travel. And my only question is if it was thousands of people over five years, could it have been, would it have been hundreds of thousands of people if no one was doing anything? Very possible. Thousands of people in continents of, I don't know how many, what's the continent, what's the population of the continent of Africa? I don't know, but we like hundreds of millions to read that there was only like that there I use only loosely, but 500 cases in Nigeria in 2017. And I believe they have a population of millions. Um, so the, like the ratio is quite low while at the same time, like as we're both saying, perhaps some fear mongering on the case of media. But I still don't like hearing that there's 500 of anything. Like you would think nope. if you have smallpox nope. or vaccines against smallpox available that help with monkeypox, you would try to help those 500 people eradicate it as opposed to letting 500 potentially snowball, even if Nigeria has a population in the in the millions. I know. I, I know. They could always do more. I, I, had, I, I did play devil's more. advocate with this one, but I just wanted to look at it from all angles. Like, yeah, Africa, 1.3 billion people. I mean, there's all there's there's viruses everywhere all over the world. People have all kinds of crazy shit. Like it's dark. Like people, there's thousands of diseases that are documented and people get thousands of people get infected with different things every year that we you don't hear about. So I think it's I think it's media bullshit. I think they're just trying to. Now it just sounds like I don't want to leave my house anymore, but but yeah. you're very very valid point. Anyways, sorry. Um, next topic. Yep, let's do it. Um, so I I if you want to pull up the article about um Justin Bork, so uh, a name I don't like saying, and I know that people don't like hearing, and if for some very bizarre reason you are someone listening to this who does not know who this human being is um so it's several years ago i don't even know how many anymore has it been a decade no no um but several years ago 2014 so almost a decade um this man by the name of justin burke sort of it felt to me like took moncton hostage um and sort of went on a on a rampage with a gun that resulted in the murder of three Police officers, um, there is a memorial for them near the tidal bore. It made international news. Um, it was a very scary situation to, to live through. That's that's one of the things comparable to like what you're saying about George Floyd. I remember exactly where I was during that week. I remember so much um, of what was going on during that time. Um, and he had been um, like tried, convicted, found guilty. And from my understanding was supposed to have like a a life without parole sentence, which would have seen him in like incarcerated until the age of like 99. And sort of, I think from my understanding, like times, times three, because there was three first degree murders. Um, And then I was speaking to someone else about this and I know it doesn't exactly say it there. It does mention um, the, the section in the criminal code that has, has changed, but I believe from my understanding, it was Stephen Harper who sort of changed it um, that there was in a way a, a level of punishment that seemed inhumane. And so they've stopped doing that. Um, let me look on my own 
where it says um, section 745.51 of the criminal code was enacted in 2011 and gave sentencing judges the power to combine parole eligibility in cases of multiple first and second degree murder charges. Um, so what this means is that Justin Burke now will be eligible for, for parole at the age of 49 rather than the age of 99. I will add that uh, Alexandre Bissonnette, uh, a man who shot and killed six Muslim people at a mosque in 2017, is also one of the people who has had his sentencing, I guess, changed or combined in a way that he may be eligible for parole. Um, this article that we're looking at from the Supreme Court interviews one of the widows of the one of the three police officers who were shot and killed, who does say that it does feel like scary um like that she knows that the case is far from hypothetical and like she had been comforted to know her husband's killer would never get get out and that it was a comfort um i knew that there was no remote possibility of him coming out which is what she said and she said she's hugely disappointed in the ruling i respect the ruling however because i respect the court but it scares me um what are your thoughts on this well the judge said he gave him three 25-year life sentences because he killed three police officers who were tasked with protecting the public. Mm -hmm. And that's what he felt was right. When we heard that, I thought that made sense. I mean, I thought that was a okay decision. It was terrific what he did and what happened. And, you know, the public needed that. Um now the Supreme Court of Canada has decided that a life sentence is a life sentence and stacking multiple life sentences on top of each other isn't constitutional. Um, so the Supreme Court are the people at the highest level of law that we trust to hopefully make good decisions. And is it a good decision? I don't know. But what should a person spend their entire life in jail, no matter what they do? I think I can imagine scenarios where they should. But should a person spend their whole life with no chance of rehabilitation, no matter what they did, no chance of changing or realizing the error of the wrong to the people they hurt? Uh, the answer is a definite no. And as the woman spoke up, the trauma of having to relive that come parole time is going to be insanely painful and detrimental. Um, but what I think a lot of people might not be might not be noticing is that being eligible for something doesn't mean you'll get it it would have to be up to the, the parole board to analyze him and see if after being stuck in prison for, I mean, being in prison is, is not normal life. You either get caught up with gangs and get really tough and try to survive and try to become some kind of kingpin, or you are so isolated that you have, that you work through traumas or you reassess, you reevaluate your life. You, you learn, you are educated and you, you possibly change who you are. Um, someone from a community where you know a lot of people go to jail for a lot less than that and stay in there a lot longer in this particular decision it seems unfair and it seems wrong to to change it but in the overall scope of the canadian justice system is there what which crimes are so horrific that at a young age when you, if you do something wrong there's a zero chance that you'll ever see the light of day again i don't know if i have the answers to those questions but if i apply the rule to people outside of justin burke um, could shed some light. And again, like his lawyer said, it, it, it's only a possibility if you spend two and a half decades locked behind the walls of this fortress, doing everything you're supposed to do and not showing your true colors, like not 
fighting and killing and stabbing people and then being like you have to really show change to get out so for the amount of people that like in our communities that are locked up this could be good for them if, if other decisions have to be reevaluated based on, on sentences you, you know you, you hear about people going to jail for 20 years for the stupidest things ever um i think sorry i think i think justin burke wouldn't make it anyways in 25 years unless he went through major significant change and again the verdict seemed fair at the time but when it comes to what's constitutional you just those are hard questions to answer and they have to be applied to every single case and not just his those are my thoughts i have a lot of thoughts <laughs> um i think that i definitely i definitely completely agree that in the question of like rehabilitation versus punishment what like where are we with that as a as a justice system and i do find it sadder to think of everybody like i understand that some crimes are definitely horrific i feel like this one is 100% horrific um i would i i also believe from my understanding of the mental health of this person that there could have been a chance at intervention or rehabilitation before it got to the point of this person killing three police officers and his case aside i definitely find it very frustrating when we hear of multiple in i'll say north america white terrorists who who terrorize a community who kill several people who commit mass shootings and there were signs there were people implicated at a school level there were mental health institutions involved and they the systems fail them they are released back into the general public and then they commit atrocities like this um and I feel bad for those people because I feel like had the system not let them down, maybe all of these people wouldn't be dead and we wouldn't be talking about um, three life sentences stacked together for punishment. And we could be talking about some kind of rehabilitation or reform. All of that being said, I also, as someone who has like suffered different life atrocities, feel for having to hear your shit rehashed. Uh, on, on like on a personal level, the past month, like uh, the assholely singer of Headley has been in tr on trial and it has like had a definite effect on my mental health because I've had to hear about the awful things this person has done to underage women. I cannot imagine being the widow of someone who has to worry about in a certain number of years hearing uh, about losing her husband and the father of her children all over again. Um, and and worry about the, I, I hope, very unlikely chance of this person ever leaving. I do believe that, like, even Charles Manson was up for parole. That never happened. Um, and you, you would hope that this never happens. But there that that one percentile of fear is huge in, in situations like these that cause massive, massive amounts of life-altering, like, PTSD-level trauma. Um, and I feel very, like, heartbroken about about that as someone who has gone through something like similar on a very microscopic level. All of that being said, because of TikTok, <laughs> I've also come across. Not microscopic. Thank you. Um, because of TikTok, I've also come across the like criminal connected website where criminals try to connect with people in the outside world and get letters. And again, because of rehabilitation versus um, punishment, I would never go against something like that existing. That being said, 
Justin Burke is asking for very specific type of women to write him letters to almost be vetted by him as if it's like a dating scenario. That does not feel to me like someone who has taken the time to really reflect on what we as an entire like community and city and then these three families went through. Um, I understand the innate urge to like mate, have connection, find people. But if you're asking for a very specific type of hot woman to write you a letter and send you a picture so that you can like vet your the, that person, that doesn't feel to me like someone who is um, remorseful necessarily. And I could be I could be completely wrong. I am projecting based on something that I read on this website, but still. I don't like the thought of that type of person being able to ever get out, but you are completely right. And I do completely agree that like people can change. I cannot imagine what spending almost three decades in jail is like, what that does to your brain, how that changes you, what that type of introspection does. I mean, I've, I've had intensive therapy for the last three years and I don't think that I'm the same person and I'm not trying to change like major crimes. I'm just trying to be, be kinder to the planet. And I can't imagine what it's like spending, you know, thir- almost 30 years alone with your thoughts and isolated. Um, but I do, it gives me a very gross feeling thinking about that possibility at all in the same way that I feel about thinking about rapists and other criminals being able to be out there and ever enjoy the small things in life. I don't want those people to be able to ever smell flowers again or, or have a like warm bread. Like I want those people to suffer. Um, And so I can only imagine what these families are going through. You're right. I mean, when you suffer that kind of trauma, you you have the right to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um. I just always think of it from like my comments are not about Justin Bork, right? They're not about the mosque shooter. I'd be happy to have those people in jail, I think, for the rest of their lives. I don't I don't know them personally, but you just have to ask, is it constitutional? Mm-hmm. If a life sentence is 25 years, how could you stack three life sentences? Like either expe- extend the life sentence, extend what a life sentence is, or have one life sentence. Like you, can't, you can't stack life sentences on top of each other. And what he did is wrong and he should be in jail. And if, if that's the person he is now, who knows who will be in 17 years or 16 years. Maybe he'll always be that same person. That's hopefully a parole board does a good job at assessing him. But Justin Burke is someone who, and this does not justify it. It doesn't justify it at all. But isn't he the kid who witnessed, two white people, who witnessed police officers shoot his friend dead just the year before in the Moncton Coliseum parking lot, the cop said he had a gun and the friend didn't. Um, not an excuse, but what I'm saying is it could have put him into a mind state in which he was completely delusional on what he should do about it. And yet, but maybe 10 years in therapy, 15 years in therapy, maybe he'll realize how absolutely effing wrong and stupid his actions were. And become the kind of person that would never harm a fly. I can't say what he's going to do. I'm just saying from a broader perspective of what Canadian law is across the whole country and how courts should operate. Should you be able to stack three life sentences on top of each other? I don't know. I I will say that like, of, of course, trauma makes you 
do it's things okay that you shouldn't. Harm. It's okay to want harm for someone. Who of course. Traumatized. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not okay, but it is. It's okay to feel that way. Yeah. It's okay. And you're in the deepest recesses of your brain to wish harm onto people who've harmed you. It is not okay to enact it on yes. people who are in the same job, it. but are yeah. not the actual, nothing it's not okay it. to hurt the person back either. But all of that being said, the other point that I wanted to make too, and you touched on this a little bit is what I find frustrating is that it's, it's a, it's a, it's a justice. It's a system who has failed a lot of these often white troubled people that lets them continue down this path where they become terrorists, mass shooters, criminals. And there, there is evidence that this is going to happen. Then it is our, our constitution and our justice system that comes and tries to finesse the language and gives them the opportunity for parole, which like, okay, but it's the same justice system that continues to say that like, because weed's been decriminalized, we are going to revisit all of these yep. black people that are in yep. jail yep. and we still statistically don't. And we still statistically um, in, incarcerate and arrest um, in BIPOC indigenous black people more. Yep. So yep. I, I know that they're, it's like in a way sort of comparing oranges to apples, but this justice system is just such a, it's just a mess no, because, oh, okay, constitutionally, we're going to let him potentially have parole at, at 25 years because that's a life sentence and we're not going to stack them. But if we've now legalized a plant, <laughs> can we go back and let these people, let them smell flowers and eat bread? If everyone else can smoke weed Half of Toronto is doing it constantly. Can we go back and let those people live their lives if we're going to give this man even an inkling of hope that he can and three cops are are dead who will who will never come back or see their families or hold their children again? Yeah, and see, when you put it like that, you feel like he should never get out of jail. Yes. But um, yeah, that's what I was going to say before the episode, and thank you. Like, no, it's not apples and oranges, and that's what I... It's, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like, I was thinking of this from a philosophical perspective of what is constitutional. But if you're going to go and change laws like that and backdate them, yeah, let, let every person that's ever had a weed charge out of jail. Like right mm -hmm. now, they, they made it so you have to apply. Uh, even if you're out of jail, you have to apply to get a pardon. It's just not automatically granted to you. No, that's bullshit. Um, yeah, they, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that that's constitutionally possibly a smart decision, but they, the whole justice system needs a revamp. It's not apples and oranges. It's the same system. Mm -hmm. It's the same system that treated mass killers and massacrists who typically tend to be white individuals, mm -hmm. white males. Um, they changed the law of that saying that's not constitutional. But when are they going to go back and fix all the other unconstitutional shit they've done, especially to black people and communities of color? Yes. Yeah. And all the disproportionate arrest and the charge and the life's ruined and the reputations ruined and the trauma. Like even retributions would be better for, for black people who have been fucked over. Well, and that's the thing, like it's it, it it's sad because like it's a system that's just like failing everybody across the board, whether it's it's the justice system that's failing these black people that are still there or a mental health system that's failing white people who could get help so that they don't become criminals who are experiencing trauma, sometimes at the hands of police officers, sometimes not like whole thing's a mess, <laughs> whole thing's yeah. a mess by and large. But I I definitely like I feel for so many people after reading that, like the, the black communities, the indigenous communities the families of these three police officers feel for everybody. I feel for everybody except for Justin Burke, except like for a small amount, had he had therapy when he saw somebody, another police officer kill his friend, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. And that's also very sad. Yeah. Like I don't feel for him at all. Mm -hmm. I don't feel for him at all. Yeah. Like a cop kills your friend. So you, even we don't like So you just go kill 
three other cops that had nothing to do with it. I don't feel like that was super stupid. The question is, can he be re rehabilitated over 25 years or not? Because that is, that's just no brain in that action. Like idiot, stupid, wrong, horrible. It would be another episode of, of a whole podcast, but like you rehabilitate that person and then what? Like relinquish them into a world, into a system that still has no place for you. It's not, he's like, he's not going to leave, like leave and then apply to be on welfare and live in low rental housing and just get re-traumatized by a system that fails those people. Like, I don't know that he would get employed. He would have to leave all of New Brunswick. Like it would, it would just be. Yeah. It's not good to get out 25 years later anyway. No, yeah, no. Everyone's going to know your name is going to be in the news again. It's going to be brought up. People yes. are going to know your face. It's not like, even if you get out, it's not like it's. It's not desirable. Road. Yeah. It's not like it's, <laughs> it's not like it's peaches and. Well, no, that's the thing. He would be public enemy number, number one. Absolutely. Yes. So. So it's either if it gets, and it's, I don't know. It's another 50 years of taxpayer money keeping them in. Anyways. Yeah, well, it's not like Anyways. they were going to give the taxpayer money to us or any, nope, any, good, in, any good places. So. Okay, let's wrap up with an interesting article, but I think we can only talk about it for a few minutes. Sure. Did you want to spearhead this one? No, I don't. I, nope, doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so uh, actress Moses Ingram, um, who is going to be part of, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which like, I'm not a star Wars person, so I know it's on Disney plus, but I don't know if it's a, a series versus another installment of star Wars movies. Um, but she basically revealed on her Instagram story that after being an announced, I believe as an actress on like being added to the cast, um, that of course. Of course, as we know, this is our reality. Um, she received hundreds of racist messages, of course, including the N-word. Um, some say that you're, you, you suck, loser. You're a diversity hire. You won't be loved or remembered for this acting role. Um, some said that, like, worse things, obviously the N-word. Um, she said that she felt that she could grin and bear it when it comes to online hate. Uh, she, she should feel like she should grin and bear it, but she's not built like that um and then star wars came out and said we we're proud to welcome moses ingram to the star wars family um if anyone intends to make her feel in any way unwelcome we have only one thing to say we resist there are more than 20 million sentient species in the star wars galaxy don't choose to be racist um which i sort of appreciate because it's it's funny to think that you know people enjoy a show about like aliens and different species and different things that people are taking the time to hate one actress because they don't feel that she either fits the part or belongs in the role or that black people should have, I don't know, spaces acting. Um, but what are, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first off, I'm just going to like that tweet. Cause I was actually, yeah, that is a good tweet. Even though they're historically a horribly racist company. Yeah. Okay. Um, she said something in here that really struck me, struck a chord. Um, well, she said nobody else in the cast had those kinds of experiences. Like she, it's not okay. It's not normal. It's not like people are wondering why can't you just like drop it and let it be. Pause yeah. hammer time. That's actually a quote by John Boyega of his racist experience in a GQ article because he's also faced racism for being in the franchise if you scroll up. 
Gotcha. Um, but still, like they no, so, continue to do this to every black person yeah, in the Star well, Wars yeah, franchise. Nobody, nobody else had the uproar and death threats sent to their Instagram, social media, black this, black that. That makes sense. You shouldn't be a stormtrooper. Here's the sentence. Like nobody else had that experience, but yet people are surprised that I'm this way. That's my frustration. Like people are surprised when black people get to their wits end and lose it. The angry black man, the angry black woman, they don't see it. They don't see the buildup. They don't see the reason for being frustrated. Like, oh, just let it brush off your back. It's no big deal. Oh, it just happens once in a while. But it, it, it builds up. And then people are surprised that people can become very bitter about scenarios like this. Um, and that's his frustration. Like I was saying about the previous article, like it's okay to want bad things to happen to people that hurt you he's not even saying that he's just saying like why don't you get how angry i am about this like my thoughts on this is that like what the fuck why do people have to go out of their way to care so much just like our haters just like our trolls just like our stalkers like why do you care so much like why is your life governed by having to try to hate and control what people with melanin in their skin are are doing. Like, how could you care about who the actor is or watching the movie or not? How are you so disgusted by black skin that you have to send hate messages to strangers? It is insane. Like, who programmed you like that to be so hateful? 20 million species in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, why are you hating on your... You're, you're such a big Star Wars fan. Like, why are you hating on your own? Like, Star Wars is typically actually very much so built on the structure like the story is very centered around colonialism actually mm-hmm. um the empire being like i don't know i think it's the empire being the british or anyways it's very centered on like rebellion against yes colonialism and yet uh, that's it's just stupid like why why people are so obsessed with issuing death threats to strangers because they're going to be acting in a movie blows my mind there's, I mean, there's like several layers to it, right? There's, it's often, it feels like hating black people just for obviously for the sake of hating black people. Like, I don't understand people who are like, I'm, I am so angry that you've cast someone who is not who I thought would be this role that I have to out loud express my anger at a company that you've made Ariel black. You've made Star Wars characters black. You've made X person a black character instead of the white person i envisioned in this pretend artificial fantasy story world that's not even real to begin with yes like one of the one of the tiktoks that we have that like has i think maybe like fifty thousand views was this white man saying that scientifically it doesn't make sense for ariel to be a black mermaid because the sun wouldn't like heat up the melanin and make it brown and everyone was like she's it's it's a mermaid (laughs) like it's like it's not about the sun not penetrating the depths of the water bro it's a mermaid (laughs) like what scientifically what well don't you know about that that group of mermaids that you know they like to hang up by the sandbars and so over time because the sun they were they were closer to the the top of the ocean that the sun did penetrate their skin over thousands of years uh and they became the black mermaids like didn't you know that scientifically that's how it worked buddy to be to be fair in that tiktok a marine biologist says that like if mermaids did live in the, in the depths of the water they actually probably would be 
very dark because of the way that the ocean is down there and like Keep she was safer like to protect them be like a blubber hair like thing that would be like blacker than night but like it wouldn't she wouldn't have seashell bras and be like pretty green like it would be like a disgusting creature it would be scary because of the depths of the ocean, but it would probably actually be black, probably for camouflage purposes. I digress. The right. need to be so vocally upset when something is not the way that you imagine it in a fantasy world baffles me. And I feel like it's majority white people who do that. And I could be wrong. There might be black people who are like, how dare you cast? Well, I, I know people were upset about Hermione being cast as Emma Watson because J.K. Rowling did write it as a Black character, from what I recall. And that was actually a miscasting and whitewashing of the character. But unless that's happening, I don't think Black people are out there being like, how dare you cast a white person in this role? We're just like, cool. Thank you for producing this piece of art and a media that I can enjoy. I will now go and enjoy it because it's only been so many years that black people can go and enjoy movies unsegregated anyway. I'm not going to bitch about who got cast. (laughs) I just, and like you're saying, it's a fantasy world. Like it's about a movie in which it's a bunch of different things. Like, why are we caring? And as two people who have to suffer internet trolls on occasion, I just also don't get it. Leave us alone. (laughs) We just want to exist. We just want to make cool things and share our opinion. And if you don't agree, I don't give a fuck. I don't. I will go on record as saying, I don't care if you don't agree with us. Don't listen. Yep. Yeah. Is that how we're ending the episode? Because I feel like, but listen to our podcast if you're if you're not a troll. Yeah, we can end it on that. Like, fuck you, trolls. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you, trolls. And like. And by and large, that specific sentiment, right? If you are someone who listens to our podcast and you're def- or, or listens to any media, you're trying to be a better person, you want to be an ally, and you just do wholeheartedly disagree. We welcome constructive conversation, but Absolutely. no, no one talking to Moses Ingram was trying to have a constructive conversation about why she as a black person should not be in this role or John Boyega. It is straight up just because someone's skin color, you think they should not have the job that they do or the role that they have. And it's straight up people who think that because we're black, we shouldn't have this platform or you're going to innately disagree with everything that we're saying just to try to get under our skin. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like we've, but we've both had many opportunities over the years to engage with some of these trolls and people and some people, you know, that complain, we, we have dialogue that goes back and forth. We don't agree with each other. Um, it comes to a point where we were like, okay, um, we're done talking, but I don't agree with you. Or sometimes people see Correct. one of our points uh, or something like that. But yeah. Exactly. Anyway. For everyone else, screw off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to construct your conversation. Or don't. Or don't. I mean, Blacklandic <laughs> at gmail.com if you have constructive criticism. If you don't, leave us alone. <laughs> These people don't realize that we hide all of their comments anyway so they're just taking energy to, to post on our page and no one's seeing it but then surprise surprise and, yeah uh, no i yeah. i appreciate and thank you for get, get boosting our algorithm by commenting your troll comments so that yeah. other people can see that you're racist and then message me about your racist behavior and how you're a joke which you are all right <laughs> we're done being sassy now thank you for watching and listening and donating if you donate to the gofundme and checking out our tiktok we're 14 people away now from 10K. It might happen while you're here. Maybe. Is this backwards? I'm like trying to do all the O's. <laughs> 10K. Thanks. Um, don't. <laughs> Bye. Bye.